Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. Everybody comes to Hollywood, got a dream. What's your dream? When I was a little girl, I would pretend I was a princess trapped in the tower, and then this knight on a white horse would come charging up and rescue me. Could you tell me how to get to Beverly Hills? Sure. For five bucks. You can't charge me for directions. I can do anything I want to, baby. I am lost. All right, okay. You'll change for 20? For 20, I'll show you a person. You kidding me? I come here all the time. Well, color me happy. There's a sofa in here for two. Close your mouth, dear. Who is this girl here? Does she work? She's in sales. Touchstone Pictures presents the story of a date. Isn't a date, it's business. That led to a deal. I have a business proposition for you. I'm going to be in town until Sunday. I'd like you to spend the week with me. <laughs> That's becoming a dream come true. Time to shop. Get rid of your gum. All right. I don't believe you did that. You're going to be spending an obscene amount of money in here. So we're going to need a lot more help sucking up to us because that's what we really like. Oh. You understand me? Sir, if I may say so, you're in the right store and the right city for that matter. They're two people who have no business being together. Everybody is trying to land him. Well, I'm not trying to land him. I'm just using him for sex. Just doing a little business. <laughs> company I'm buying this week, I'm getting for the bargain price of about one billion. A billion dollars? Your folks must be really proud, huh? Everything was going their way. Well done! Well done! Whoop, whoop, whoop! Until... I don't want you to go. You hurt me. Yes. Don't do it again. Something unexpected happened. What the hell is wrong with you this week? You fell in love with him, but I not teach you anything? Look, I'm not stupid, okay? I'm... I'm not in love with him. They can find you an apartment and get you a car. I want more. I want the fairy tale. I thank you. A very special woman. Touchstone Pictures presents Richard Gere. So what happened after? He climbed up the tower and rescued her. Julia Roberts. She rescues him right back. Pretty woman. Maybe you guys could, like, um, get a house together. Buy some diamonds. Oh! <laughs> Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema Podcast. I'm your host, Jimbo, and joined once again today by... Co-host Kyle. Co-host Kay. Um, before we get started, Kyle, we did have a review I'd like to go ahead and read. All uh, right. This is from 
Disneyland Dinah says, great show, five stars. A must listen. You guys are fun and interesting. Attention to detail is so good. Keep up the good work. I love the show, Donna. So, mm-hmm. Donna, thanks a lot. Appreciate you listening. Just uh, tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell a friend of me. That's what we like to say. So, thanks for listening. Donna, you flatter me. Thank you very much. <laughs> you just have to go above and beyond, don't you? You know, I... <laughs> <laughs> above and beyond. Well, I, gonna, I had to add something to it. I would have felt rude otherwise. <laughs> Donna, you're very nice. <laughs> so speaking of nice, uh, and how um, ironic that we are actually talking about Pretty Woman today, episode 94. 94, that's right. So Kyle. Yes. You ready for the question? I, the- I, you know, this week of all weeks, I feel like I'm probably not ready for this question. Especially <laughs> since you're already giggling at me. I could have went so many ways with this question. So many, there are so many poor this ways. Movie. I'm so worried right now. Uh, but I'll, I'll go easy on you. Um, Kyle, what do you think has been Julia Roberts' best performance? Ah, uh, <laughs> you know, mmm, mmm, yeah. that's a good question. <laughs> um, man, I thought I was going to go easy on you. I, I think I think it's a toss up between Aaron Brockovich, which is a very different kind of tone of film, and this film. But it, this is probably her most iconic role. I think I'll put it there. So I, I really think she did good as Tinkerbell and Hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same time though, still not like, not the main character. Obviously, where this one, she's very clear. Like this, you know, it's called Pretty Woman in the Search of Julie Roberts. It's whole point, but she <laughs> well, is the Pretty Woman. The alternate question I was going to give is Kyle, how much would it charge you for the weekend or whatever? The weekend and it's just <laughs> sandwich <laughs> day, soda, you know, cherry coke. <laughs> if you get me a takeout pizza, and cherry coke, so cherry coke. Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yours. All right, I'm, Kyle, I'm easy Before day. you start going down the, the down the hole. Other end of this movie. How can we get right now? Okay. Uh, Let me go ahead, take it over. Okay, podcast. Let me tell you about my problems here. <laughs> okay, okay. No, we'll talk about the movie here. Not my problems. The movies are not my problems. Um, let's talk about Pretty Woman, released on March 23rd in 1990. Were you born yet, Kyle? I was not born yet. I was a mere, a mere glimmer in my dad's eye, as they say. Um, <laughs> anyways, direct, um, Pretty Woman was, was directed by the legendary Gary Marshall, written by J.F. Lawton. Produced by Aaron Milchin and Stephen Ruther. Composed by James Newton Howard. And cinematographer was Charles Minsky. The box office budget for the film was $14 million. Adjusted for inflation today, they'd worth approximately $30 million. Opening weekend, it made $11.2 million. Adjusted for inflation, it was roughly, uh, once again, about uh, closer to like $26 million around there. And then gross in U.S. and Canada was $178 million, which just for inflation to be $383 million today, so huge earnings on this movie. And then the gross worldwide uh, was uh, $463.4 million, and just for that, for inflation to be worth almost a billion dollars today. It was a B with a B billion. With a billion. Billion dollar B. You almost sound like... Dr. Evil. Exactly. <laughs> what Pinkies up, everything in the now, <laughs> yes. That is insane money for a romantic comedy. Um, yeah, even half, uh, that's close to half a billion dollars, even when it released in 1990. That's insane money for any movie, let alone a romantic comedy, which are like, you know, they're usually, they're, you know, the reason, like, romantic comedies usually make a lot of money, but not that kind of money. That's just, a, this is another level above it all. So, really incredible earnings that movie, and well-deserved, because it's, it's so good. 
can see here. Then we're going to move on to some of the technical details here in just a moment. Now, technical details says a runtime of 119 minutes, uh, 125 with the director's cut, which I have not seen. Um, sound mix, we have Dolby Stereo Sound. Color info, this is a color movie. Aspect ratio, um, we have the 1.37 by 1 for the negative ratio and 1.85 by 1 for the intended ratio. Cameras used were the Panavision cameras and lenses, and the film length is 3,269 meters. Let's see here, what other fun facts we got going on here. Um, moving on to the uh, Terrence Legacy section, we have the awards. Drum roll, all that good stuff. And for the awards, we of course have an Academy Award for the U.S. of A. It was nominated. It was. Julie Julie Roberts was nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role. Um, it's here in 1999. We also have the BAFTA Awards, where it was nominated for Best Screenplay, Best Costume Design, Best Actress, and Best Film. And also in 1991, we have the BMI Film and TV Awards, where it won the Film Music Award, and also won uh, won the Most Performed Song from a Film. Um, it was awarded to Perk Gelsley for the song "It Must Have Been Love." Then in 1991 as well, we have the Golden Gloves, where it won Best Performance by an Actress and a Motion Picture, and that was, of course, given to Julia Roberts. Let's see here. We also won the Golden Screen Award in 1991, and it won the People's Choice Award for Favorite Comedy Motion Picture. Next up, we also have the Golden Screen Award for Golden Screen with One Star um, for Germany. And in 1990, we also have the Jupiter Award for Best International Actress. Okay, then... Going on, cruising from one section to the other in rapid succession, we are going on to the cast. My favorite part, the part I do the most work on. Well, me, work is relative. I don't work very hard. I was going to say, work is such a... Work is relative, especially since I did this actually at my old job. (laughs) But regardless, let's move on. Pretty Woman has a great cast and a short one, which is nice for me. We, of course, have the legendary Julie Roberts playing her most iconic role ever (laughs) as Vivian Ward in this film. She can also recognize such films as Notting Hill in 1999. Good movie. Aaron Brockovich in 2000. Um, the Ocean's Trilogy of movies, which he had a small role in, but also well, it's, it's a more substantial role in, in in the Ocean's Trilogy from 01 to 07, Ocean's 11, 12, and 13, I believe. And I don't believe she was... Uh, no, she wasn't in the Ocean's 8 um, kind of reboot sequel thing. And then we have Runaway Bride in 99. <laughs> Next up, we have Richard Gere playing Edward Lewis. He best recognized such films as Unfaithful in 2002, An Officer and a Gentleman in 1982, First Night in 1995, and, of course, Runaway Bride in 1999 again. Next up, we have Hector Elizondo um, playing Elizondo, Elizondo playing Barry Thompson. He could force me such films as The Princess Diaries in 2001, Frankie and Johnny in 1991, and New Year's Eve in 1999, and of course, once again, Runaway Bride in 1999. So basically, a lot of people that were in Pretty Woman were also in Runaway Bride. So. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, yeah they, well, these three actors simply played major roles in Runaway Bride and Pretty Woman, despite them not being related to the other you know, movies. So pretty fun to see them all kind of back together for that one film nine years later. <laughs> kind of a fun coincidence, you know. Yeah, it was, the, it was the early MCU. <laughs> pretty Woman. Really? The, the Pretty Woman cinematic universe. <laughs> The origin uh, story is Pretty Woman. Laura San Gekoma plays Kit DeLuca. She was seen in such films as Quickly Down Under in 1990. 
The Stand in 1994. She was great in The Stand. Did you see the TV uh, where she played? I don't think I have. Oh. No. I, I, I'm really silly right now because right now I'm thinking of like The Last Stand and no. like the, the mid uh, 2000s where it was Arnold Schwarzenegger. That movie was awful. Um, no, but this, <laughs> was a, this was the, the, where she played the um, uh, in the TV miniseries The Stand. Oh. With uh, Gary Sinise and Molly Ringwald and all those people. Oh, okay. That sounds Rob like a, Lowe. That sounds like a movie right for um, podcasting. <laughs> it's, it's a miniseries. Oh, miniseries. Okay, it's miniseries. Like okay. three or four days. Of- oh, all right. All right, miniseries. Okay, well, we might still do that, though. right for podcasting, in my opinion. We can do TV shows. Why not? <laughs> you know, kick around X-Files for years. <laughs> Under Suspicion in 1991. And Nina Takes a Lover in 1994. Um, funny enough, uh, just one quick fun fact. When I was writing this down, I wrote down Nina Takes a Loser. <laughs> Oh, quickly Kyle, correct me. I didn't know you got Nina. <laughs> <laughs> Nina told you. Very funny, Jimbo. <laughs> and I had to quickly scratch in a V for Nina Takes a Lover in 1994. <laughs> Jimbo, that was so mean. Um, next up, we have Jason Alexander playing Philip Stuckey. Um, Philip Stuckey, uh, no, sorry, Jason Alexander, of course, Easily me most recognizable as George Costanza, and uh, yeah. George Costanza in the Seinfeld series, ran from 1989 to 1998. Easily his most iconic role in that film, uh, in that show at least, uh, very clearly. Uh, next up, of course, he also be seen in Shallow Howl 2001, <laughs> uh, The Man Who Saved Christmas in 2002, and White Palace in 1990. I'll say this right now: Shallow Howl is a very underrated film. Yes. And a very bizarre film because, like, none of those actors went on to kind of like do similar things to that. It's just kind of like a weird, <laughs> like you look up Jack Black's entire career, and then like Shallow Howl just like I'm like that's a weird. It just kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. <laughs> it's a good movie though. It's still a good movie. It's just it's it's very odd. And also, I don't know. Like, yeah, it probably aged all right, but there's still a little bit of uh, a whole film is about did, overcoming being shallow. Didn't uh, time maybe have some was shallow. Was Jason Alexander's character the one that had the tell? <laughs> Yes, yeah, the tail. It wiggled. It wiggles when I'm excited. <laughs> what? I think it was like one of the last movies too that had like um, I think like during the credits they had the little little text of like what they did with their lives afterwards. Yeah. It's like one of the last movies to ever do that. They haven't done that again since. <laughs> I think it did that. Um, if I remember correctly, we get up. Shall have got to add to that podcast list sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, we have Ralph Bellini, uh, uh, Bellani playing James Morse. Um, he gave such movies as Trading Places in 1983, and then in 1988, he uh, reprised his role in Coming to America as a little cameo, because in Trading Places, he was a rich old guy who basically got his money all robbed from him, and in Coming to America, he plays a bum who the rich um, actor uh, playing by Eddie Murphy, the, I forget the name of the character, um, gave him a sack full of cash, basically. He's like, we're back! Mm-hmm. Really great, funny little role he had there. Um, he was also in such films as His Girl Friday in 1940, The Professionals in 1966, and Rosemary's Baby in 1968. So a legendary actor in his own right. This is one of his um, final films, actually, before he passed away. Next up, we have Eleanor um, Donahue playing Bridget. She was in such films as Three Daring Daughters in 1948, The Father Knows Best Show from 1954 to 1960, and Mulligan Stew in 1977. I said Selim. What's that word? That's not a word. Next up, we have Alex Hyde playing White. Um, oh, sorry, Alex Hyde White playing David Morse. Sorry, yeah, typo there. Um, he was typo, such- but it's handwritten. <laughs> Jimbo. 
<laughs> the secrets how, of the podcast how, are how out. How dare you highlight my own mistakes, <laughs> my failings as a human. Okay. I like how you tried to play the computer. I tried to play that. Was a, it was a typo. Typo, typo. <laughs> I, I, didn't mean, I didn't mean it was the that computer's typo. A, it was my personal that's typo. A, that's a righto. You can handwrite a typo if you're not... Ty- sh- sh- right Jimbo, up. I am not right. <laughs> oh. Oh. Alex Hyde-White plays David Morris, who can also be in such films as Biggles in 1986, The Phantom of the Opera in 1989, and Ironclads in 1999, 1991. <laughs> shut, awesome. shut. You got me off my rail. Yeah, I'm, I'm not in my groove yet. I, I, apparently, I didn't have it today. Next up, we have Amy Hatzbeck playing Elizabeth Stuckey. Um, she can be seen in such films as Problem Child, Problem Child 1 and 2, from in 1990 and 1981, respectively. The Masked Robin Hood, Men in Tights, <laughs> in 1993. And Dracula, Dead and Loving It, oh, love in it. 1995. <laughs> Leslie Mills. <laughs> Next up, we have Judith Baldwin playing Susan. She made such films as No Small Affair in 1984, Made in the U.S. of A. in 1987, and The Stefford Children in 1987. I guess that there was a sequel to The Stefford Wives. I actually have never heard of that. But I have no idea. But you think with the name, The Stefford Children, maybe some kind yeah, of... No, I just probably... Somebody's... Or totally yelling, unrelated. You know, got the yeah. podcast like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. This guy doesn't even watch movies. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but he I've, collects I've, them. I've, I've never seen a movie in my life. Um, Bill, <laughs> Bill Applebaum... Bill Applebaum <laughs> plays Shush, You Laughing Man. Uh, plays Howard. <laughs> he can be seen in such films as... Don't Tell Her It's Me in 1990. Oh, that's a great film, too. That, that is nothing in common. You've in, never seen it, have No, you? I've not. Never <laughs> heard of it. Uh, nothing in common in 1986. Dance With Me in 1998. <laughs> then we have Hank Azaria playing a blank and you'll miss it role as a police detective at the very beginning of the film. You sure he was there? Hank Azaria was there. Um, Hank Azaria also, of course, uh, very known for playing um, various roles in The Simpsons, chiefly uh, Apu, the store clerk in The Simpsons show. He's also in The Birdcage in 1996 and Along Came Pil- you know, Polly in 2004. Then finally, we have Larry Miller playing Mr. Hollister. Uh, he was in such films as Max Keeler's Max Keeler's Big Move in 2001. The Nutty Professor 1 and 2 from in 1996 and 2000, respectively, and for Richard and Poor in 1997. And that concludes the cast and Jimbo making fun of me. So, oh, no, no. I'm not done. <laughs> You're done with the cast. We still have another podcast recorded after this, too. Uh, oh. Okay, so Jimbo, take it from me. Well, no, we're not done, Kyle, because I'm going to throw something else at you. Okay, throw it at me. Give me a summary a of summary. this movie, Pretty Woman. Um... And uh, <laughs> um, they have Edward Lewis's um, picks up a uh, a prostitute and goes and falls in love with her in a rags to riches story for a pretty woman played by Julia Roberts. Um, basically, a you know Edward Lewis, a rich businessman, tries to basically hire a hooker to play his role of his girlfriend, and they end up falling in love. That's the story. It's a very simple story. I it's a very simple plot. I just wanted to see what they have a plot summary here that's like three paragraphs long. I'm like, I'm not going to read that. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's very interesting how good this movie is based upon just the plot that you said yes. um, and the way they go about it because uh, you say the rags are riches where he's giving her like $3,000 a night or for the weekend or whatever. For the week, for the week, yeah. And when she she tries to go into Rodeo Drive or whatever to buy some outfits, you know what I mean, and 
they don't want anything to do with her. They turned the way her away. Dressed, right. Yeah. But when she comes back dressed up and she's like, you know, that iconic You remember scene. me? Yeah, yeah. You remember me? I came in here yesterday like my dress, but you wouldn't have sold to me. You work in a mission, huge, right? Yeah, huge, huge mistake. mistake. <laughs> huge mistake. Yes. That iconic so, moment. Yeah, yeah. So let's go and talk a little bit about this and uh, some of the notes we have. The, the details, the fun stuff about this movie. Let's the go details. for it. Yeah. And by the way, we will be covering a lot of the, my notes come from who. who auditioned for Edward and who auditioned for Vivian and I want to ask you when I get to them if they could have fit or not. <laughs> so uh, Richard Gere and Julia Roberts had really good chemistry upon their first meeting. However, However. Richard Gere was not going to take the role. Hmm. He was on the phone ready to turn down the part when Julia Roberts slid him a post-it note <laughs> with the words, please say yes on it. <laughs> he accepted the role right then. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a good old post-it note to get people to do. I don't know. Julie Roberts being that cute, I would do anything she says. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a pretty girl just like, please say yes. And then it's like, well, I have to now. <laughs> yeah. Um, you remember when uh, he has the uh, necklace case with mm-hmm. Julie Roberts and he snaps yeah. it at her? That real was, surprise? Uh, that was improvised. Yeah, it was a real surprise. And uh, Roberts' reaction to the laughter was totally natural. Mm. Uh, the filmmakers liked it so much that they decided to leave it in the show. Nice. Which is funny. It really is. Because that's a it really just like, oh. clap. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the actual panic in her eyes. Like, oh, no. Uh, this is something I didn't know either. Uh, Richard Gere actually is playing the piano. He also composed the piece of music that is being played. Oh, that's terrific. I didn't know Richard Gere played piano. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, in the dinner scene where Vivian flings the snell across the room, the waiter says, it happens all the time. Gary Marshall cast the same actor in The Princess Diaries in 2001 years later and gave him the same line. <laughs> so, talk about typecasting. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, during the sex scene, Julia Roberts got so nervous a visible vein popped out of her forehead. Director Gary Marshall got into bed with Julia and Richard Gere. <laughs> Marshall and Gear massaged her forehead until the vein disappeared. Julia also broke into hives and was given calamine lotion until they were finally able to shoot the scene. Oh my gosh. I feel that that, that, that is also that is very funny, but also so sad. I couldn't imagine feeling that like <laughs> Imagine you're having the sex scene day and like like all these things are going wrong, only making it worse. <laughs> yeah, it just goes from bad to worse. It's like, I'm sorry guys, we can't film right now. Julia Roberts is so nervous, a giant vein's coming out of her forehead. Julia, what? Can you <laughs> just, imagine Gary Marshall is like climbing into bed with him? Uh, what were you saying like, to be the problem? You're already so nervous, and then that also happens to you, which just makes you more nervous. That's the snake eating its own tail. It's just oh man, oh, I man. feel so bad for Julia. <laughs> Uh, the opera Richard Gere takes Julia Roberts to is La Travieta, which is about a prostitute who falls in love with a wealthy man. So that's kind of symbolic there. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, while shooting the scene where Vivian is lying on the floor at Edward's penthouse watching the old I Love Lucy, you know, where she's stomping in the yeah. uh, grapes in the wine barrel, uh, the reruns, in order to achieve a genuine laughter, the director, Gary Marshall, had to tickle uh, Roberts' bare feet out of camera to get her to laugh so hysterical. <laughs> that's... Okay. <laughs> the necklace that Vivian wears to the opera really cost $250,000. While filming, a security man from the jewelry store equipped with a gun was constantly standing behind the director. Oh. 
just like the director's hostage that whole moment. If anyone tries to rob it, the director gets it. Uh, <laughs> they just shoot the director. That'd be hilarious. Richard uh, Gere and Julie Roberts are 18 years apart in real life. They were 40 in this movie. Richard Gere was 40, and Julie Roberts was only 22 at the time of this filming. Ooh. <laughs> Age disparities are real. Um, wow. I, it. it it's ridiculous that you don't really realize it when you're watching that film. Because like, I didn't know she was only 22 in that film. Yeah, I didn't realize like yeah, didn't realize that Richard Gere was that old or that Julie Roberts was that young. 22 Richard Gere always just looks the same though. Yeah, he yeah. looks 40 in every movie he plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, even like even in the earlier like the 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 the, the, the sir and the gentleman, I believe it was officer and gentleman. Yeah, officer and gentleman. Like he, he looks exactly like that, even though I think he actually is in his mid 20s when that movie came out. So yeah, I understand. Like Richard Gere just has that face of just like. Look like that forever. <laughs> and Julia Roberts, too. She looks like the way she looked 22. All right, and here we have later. our first cast uh, that was going to play Edward Lewis mm-hmm. Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Julia Roberts. He's not bad, but no. But at the time, Julia, during his screen uh, testing or whatever, Julia Roberts had other business to attend. And when I was unable to read the lines uh, with Reeves during the audition, the casting director read her part as Vivian Ward so badly. That Reeve grew furious, tore up the script, <laughs> and stormed out. <laughs> uh, I think he could have. If you, I, if you ever watched Somewhere in Time, um, he does a really good job. I think he could have pulled he, it off. He doesn't have the same presence on screen. I, just, I don't think so. Like, 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 he played Superman. He's an amazing person in real life as well as on the screen. I think he is a great actor, but I, I couldn't see him But have play. you seen him in anything else besides Superman? No. Okay, so then, therefore, your argument's about uh, And argument's about Moving on. Still, I, I, I just... I, I see him as Superman, though. I just... I can, like... And he, like... You know, like, when he's when he has a suit on, he's Clark Kent to me. So, I, <laughs> I, I can't imagine Clark Kent playing the Saab businessman. I can't imagine that. At that point, it's Bruce Wayne. That's not the same thing. <laughs> the red coat that Vivian wears was brought, uh, bought for $30 from a movie usher in the street shortly before filming... <laughs> Uh, during the scene where Julie Roberts sings along to Prince in the bathtub sliding down and dunking her head under the bubbles, Julie Roberts came up and opened her eyes and saw that everyone had left, even the cameraman who got the shot. All of the okay. scenes filmed on Rodeo Drive were done on Sundays because the city has strict filming rules on that street. Makes sense. I'm not sure. Rich neighborhood, they, they probably can make those kind of demands. Yes, there is an urban myth. Urban myths about pretty woman. Is there a man who's where in the, the original plans was Vivian was supposed to be addicted to cocaine, and part of the deal was she couldn't do drugs during that week. At the end of the movie, Vivian was supposed to find Kit had overdosed on drugs while Vivian was away with Edward. Uh, the writer debunked that in the Netflix series The Movies That Made Us Too. That, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that, that, what that, a tragically that, different story that would have exactly been. That, that changes the entire tone of the whole movie. Which is this this film is incredibly lighthearted, <laughs> despite some you know serious subject matters about having sex workers and all kind of stuff. You know, this incredibly is incredibly light about that. Right. <laughs> uh, Julius Roberts' uh, head was superimposed on Shelley Michelle's body for the poster. Richard Gere's hair is brown on the poster, but graying in the movie. Mm. The film's budget was not limited. So I guess they had an open budget. Therefore, the producers could acquire as many locations as possible for shooting on their estimated $14 million. That's really incredible. It, it, it worked out. <laughs> it worked out for them. Right. Yeah. Huh. Uh, this also includes um, uh, Fiari and Porsche declined to, for product placement opportunity for the car, which uh, Richard Gere drove, because they did not want to be associated with soliciting prostitutes. So... 
Um, car brands are incredibly weird about the like, incredibly weird about everything. I, I've learned about that, uh, both from film history and in video games, stuff like that too. Like stuff about like cars being damaged or being bugs in video games. Like that's why like popular video games like Grand Theft Auto have no licensed cars. Is like they don't want to be associated with people that do crime. It's like. What do you think? But then you have Gran Turismo. Yeah, and Gran Turismo. everything. But still, it was like it was like a decade plus before they could show even the lightest amount of damage on a vehicle, like even scratching the paint or things like that, or cracking a windshield. You know, uh, like Lamborghini is the only company I know of that like they don't care at all. Like that's like Lamborghini agreed to do that Doctor Strange movie when like he, like the entire thing just gets destroyed, wraps around his hands, and crumbles him from life. But every other car company is like has like all these really specific things of like we don't want to be associated with this with our car brand, like. They're human beings that drive cars. It's okay. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, during, Off the, topic. <laughs> during the scene where Vivian uh, first enters Edward Spinoff's the part where she asks him if it's okay if she removes her high-heeled boots was Julia Roberts' idea. The boots were actually hurting her feet. <laughs> it, yeah, it makes sense for both both the actress and the movie itself. Like, no way that you know, no way you know that character wants to be in boots all, all day right, long. Kyle, here's another one for Edward. Al Pacino. He turned down the role of Edward after a screen test with Julia Roberts. Okay, what do you think? How roughly how old he was when he did that? When he was off that role? If he was any older than Richard Gere, I'm gonna say no <laughs> immediately. And I'm, I bet he was because I'm pretty sure Al Pacino was older than Richard Gere. So. I don't know anymore. I think so. Um, the 19- like a young Al Pacino, yes, I could see doing that because Al Pacino obviously he can do anything. <laughs> but any older, the age disparity gets weird to me. The 1989 offer of three thousand dollars adjusted for inflation in 2021. Has been calculated as equal six thousand five hundred twelve dollars and seventy eight cents, just over one thousand dollars a day for six days of work. Not bad. Uh, <laughs> when, bad. When Stucky, slams, I do a lot of terrible things for a thousand dollars a day. <laughs> <laughs> when Stucky slams the uh, the door to his car, they actually had to replace it because the window broke. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, Burt Reynolds was offered the role of Edward Lewis, but he declined. Oh. He jokingly said on the Piers Morgan show in 2012 that after he saw the film and the lovemaking scenes with Julie Roberts, that he made a mistake in not taking the yes, part. Yes, he did. And also, like once again, like Richard Gere did his own thing, did it so much perfectly, did it perfectly well. But also, I love the idea of the Burt Reynolds version <laughs> of this. That's a totally oh wow yeah. In the shots of the city in the very beginning, you will notice that some of the neon letters in the hotel where Vivian lives are burned out. The only remaining lights, uh, lighted letters spell HO, H-O, a <laughs> slang cinnamon for prostitution. Nice. Um, Disney didn't want Julia Roberts for the role of Vivian. Instead, they wanted it Meg Ryan. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Demi, Ro- uh, Demi, Ro- Demi Moore turned down the role of Kit, which was her sister. Mm-hmm. Uh... I think specifically in the '90s, like every kind of female actress was like kind of played a very similar role in that kind of idea, or like or the the idealized woman of the '90s. So you're saying we should have had Tom Hanks as Richard Gere and Meg Ryan as Julia Roberts? Uh, I'm I'm just saying like of that decade, Julia Roberts was interchangeable with a lot of other female actresses of the time, I think, and so I can kind of fit anyone in that role, and they would have done an admirable job, but maybe they wouldn't have the same. Um, spontaneity and kind of like innocence that Julie Roberts brought to the role. So it would have been less, but I could see it working too. Like you, you don't get the scene where Julie Roberts laughs when the when the case comes down in her hand. You don't get like the tickling feet. Jimmy Moore might have punched him in the face. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's a different movie, but still I could also just see them just kind of putting any actors in there. Not saying anything wrong about any of those actresses or Julie Roberts. It's just like still they had that same kind of look to them. Kind of uh, the idea of like how they would have worked in the role. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, Drew Barrymore auditioned for the role of Vivian, but was turned down because the director thought she was too young for the part. I would agree. 
<laughs> like, how old was Drew Barrymore? Was she a child too? But Julie Roberts also would have been certain, like, if, like hearing she's twenty two now. I think, like, wow, that's really really young. Like, cause I just Julie Roberts stayed beautiful for so long. I didn't realize that she was young in this movie. <laughs> uh, Winona Ryder auditioned for the role of Vivian, but was turned down because again the director felt that she was too young for the character. Winona Ryder looks young too. That explains a lot too. Like she like 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 on top of being a young actress at that time, <laughs> she's also she's kind of a petite build. I think uh, Joan Cusack was considered for the role of Vivian. Could have definitely worked. Yeah. The car that ever picks up Vivian in belonged to producer Nancy Gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a... Well, I don't know if she like... Jamie Lee Curtis. I wonder if she would have been with the role. Eh, would have made sense. She actually probably, like... Because she wouldn't look as, like... Well, as a young prostitute necessarily. She would be actually... Close to <laughs> that's, 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 sorry. Uh, Diane Lane was very close to playing Vivian Ward, but had to pull out to the final moment due to scheduling conflicts. Uh, John Travolta auditioned for the role of Edward. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it is funny. Uh, it was original. <laughs> uh, you all right there, buddy? Uh, just uh, I'm imagining just him. Like he doesn't have platform shoes, so he just looks like a foot below Julie Roberts in every scene. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> be a, it'd be the first like short King movie. I'm just like. <laughs> It was originally planned that the opera scene would be shot in San Francisco, but an earthquake forced them to relocate to the History Museum by USC. <laughs> Jodie Foster, after she won her first Oscar in The Accused in 1980, said she was very interested in playing the role of Vivian. Jodie Foster can do anything, so yes. <laughs> Uma Thurman also auditioned for the role of Vivian. Wow. I'm never going to say no anymore on Uma Thurman just for completely selfish reasons. What about what about Daryl Hannah? She turned down the part of Vivian as she felt it uh, did, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Um, I, I can understand. Yeah, yeah. If especially like from the outside looking in before the movie's made, you're like, "Who's the best sex worker playing love with the rich guy?" It sounds like a bad idea. Um, but but it comes from Daryl Hannah. Wasn't she the one that was in Splash as the mermaid? <laughs> Decisions have to be made at different points in your life. Whatever. I mean, she, she had to do what she had to do. Uh, Albert Brooks actress. and Sylvester Stallone turned down the role of Edward Lewis. Uh, who was the first one you said? Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks. Um, Albert Brooks, I can see doing it. Sylvester Stallone would have looked like a fish out of water. I'm the best businessman in the world. Also, I can lift a thousand pounds. Like, Jennifer no, not... Conley reportedly turned down the role of Vivian. I think she could have done it. Yeah. Conley uh, would be too good. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dennis Quaid was considered for the role of Edward Lewis. Ooh, um, yeah, actually, yeah, I could, actually, I could see that working. Different movie, once again, like it's a different feel when you add that actor in there, but it's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, the Cary Grant Audrey Hepburn movie that Vivian watches is Charade from 1963. The amount of the missing fortune in the film was two hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars, which is the same amount. As the cost of the necklace that Vivian later wears to the opera. Mm. So a nice little callback. Yeah. Yeah. All right, here we go. Here's some. Here's three more that were for uh, <laughs> Edward. Are you ready? Yes. Harrison Ford. Yes, easily. Bruce Campbell. <laughs> God, I, I would love to. That that's in the same realm as Burt Reynolds for me in that kind of like <laughs> mindset of just like, oh man, that movie would have been ridiculous, but and, amazing. <laughs> oh, there's four. Uh, Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Yeah, that would definitely be cool. And John Hurd. John Hurd. Yeah, could work. <laughs> oh, here's the... Oh, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But in the scene in the tub, 
Laundry detergent rather than bubble bath was used to create the thick, white, durable bubbles with the unfortunate side effects that Julia Roberts' red hair dye began to run. I bet. You Mm -hmm. can see traces on her forehead and neck as Edward makes his proposition to hire her for the week. Immediately after filming the scene, Roberts required an emergency dye job. That makes sense, actually. I I, I can see it now, actually. I I can think about it. Uh, Kristen Davis did an audition for the role of Vivian but turned it down. Mm -hmm. Here you go. For the role of Edward, Christopher Lambert. There can only be one Highlander. <laughs> uh, he was he actually uh, was concerned for the role at the same time. Molly Ringwald was in the pl- uh, running to play Vivian. Antonio like Banderas, why that? <laughs> just trying to think of other roles. Uh, Disney wanted actually wanted Sean Connery and Meg Ryan to the lead roles, which I think would have been great. Sean Sean Connery's good in anything he does. Meg Ryan is too. Usually, I would think Sean Connery would have been too old for even then. Um, <laughs> Uh, Wayne Knight. You know who Wayne Knight was? Yeah, Wayne Knight. Yeah. Newman. Mm-hmm. Uh, was considered for the role of Philip Stuckey, which actually went to Jason Alexander, who they both went on to work on Seinfeld later. Yeah, I would say they're kind of interchangeable in that kind of way of being like the kind of tubby comedy guy. <laughs> uh, Leah Thompson auditioned for the main role, thinking the movie was a drama film rather than a romantic comedy. Hmm. I think she could have done it. Yeah, definitely. Once again, like, it's like every single... I think people underestimate how much like different actors give a entire different feel to me in a film, but like yeah, different feel. Robin Williams was considered for the role of Edward. I don't know if he could have pulled it off. I think I, it, I, if it was, it was going to be one of those movies that changed what he was normally doing. Kind of like when he did One Hour Photo and what was it, Insomnia. Yeah, it would have been like an, an a totally different genre than what he's used to playing. Could he have done it? It's one of those things, like, it's, it's soon, if you casted Robin Williams and you changed the whole film to be around him a little bit more, no, like, you know, it's just like, you know, Richard Gere is so well-suited to this specific film that defines his Because Richard Gere, yeah. basically, he's he's doesn't have any comedy to him in this movie, and I don't know if Robin Williams could have went that long without the comedy aspect of it, because, that's, that's what I think, because like, the writing was uh, more towards Julia Roberts' comedic side, because she's coming from a place... That she didn't have a lot of this stuff, you know. What yeah, I mean? yeah. So, like, but still, I, I think like Rob Williams, like they could have made that more of a comedy of Julie Roberts and Rob Williams playing off each other in a comedic way, and that being the chemistry of their romantic relationship. That could work too. I could see that movie, but also that is a very different movie than the one we got. That's more of a so, comedy. Not- it, it is more of a straight comedy, but it's still a romantic comedy. It could still work. But I, I totally agree with you. Like the the dramatic moments wouldn't have hit as strongly if it was Rob Williams specifically in that movie because like they would have gone a little too comedy. I agree. But still, it's here's, a movie I would have liked to see. Here's one. Sarah Jessica Parker was offered the role of Vivian, but she disliked the part, which is kind of funny because years later she would be on the popular TV show Sex and the City, yeah. where she plays a sexy character. So, uh, Bridget, the sales lady who helps Vivian get her first cocktail dress, is played by Eleanor Donahue, the actress who played Ellie, the pharmacist, in the Andy Griffith show in 1960. She was also in Father's Knows Best in 1954. So. Yes. I cut that in the uh, there's a director cameo, Gary Marshall. He's the voiceover of the man digging through the trash outside of Sylvester Stallone's house. <laughs> it's yeah. dubbed in due to poor quality. Uh, when uh, they filmed the scene with Vivian talking about wanting to be a princess who's rescued from a tower, they still hadn't written the movie's ending where Edward rescues Vivian. This has <laughs> one of the weirdest the endings. It is one of the weirdest climaxes ever. And, and um, who's the... Who's the <sighs> Man, what's his name? The guy that says, it's Hollywood where dreams can come true. Oh. Uh, I want to say it's... Um, uh, I didn't have him in the cast notes because he only had those one, two parts. Um, I want to say it's like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or somebody like that. Yes, I believe you're right. It is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I believe you are right. Um, um, you can see Richard Gere moving his tongue around inside his mouth as he's uh, at the door of the penthouse yelling at Stucky when he fires him and throws him out of the penthouse after catching him with uh, Vivian. 
This is because Gear actually knocked a crown off of a molar during the scene, according to the director's commentary by Gary Marshall. So he's, <laughs> he's just like he's swimming around with two. Like, well, so. that's not good. <laughs> so Kyle, what's your thoughts on Pretty Woman? Just pretty. walking down the street. Pretty Woman. <laughs> the one eventually you'll meet. Yes. Pretty Woman. Uh, pretty Woman is an absolute classic and a banger. It's a great movie. I love it to death. Yeah, I love it to pieces. It, yeah, it's a it's a high note movie. It makes you feel good. And uh, I absolutely adore it. Um, you know, there are aspects of it where you're like, like you know, it deals with subject matters which deserve to be taken seriously in many respects, even today. Um, but it's still a great film in its own right, and I think it still holds up really, really well. And it's aged really well. Um, it's not like you know, like it's not something you feel like, oh, this is morally abhorrent now, or some degree, or any more degree that you like. If you have a negative view of sex workers or prostitutes or something like that, then like then you'll still not like movie. But overall, if you get over those kind of bumps, it's a great movie <laughs> in my opinion. So overall, I love this film. Um, I, I, I was like, no, no, I'm not going to get into it now. But uh, <laughs> I changed my mind last second. Um, but uh, overall, this is a, a fantastic film, absolute classic, and it will be for generations to come, I'm sure. Absolute perfect. Um, Jimbo, how do you feel about it? I think the the chemistry between Richard Gere and and, and uh, Julia Roberts is, is outstanding in this movie. Um, it was so nice they did it twice. Yeah, uh, <laughs> really. Uh, but I think I think that that when you have actors like that that just play off of each other so well, and actresses that play off of each other so well, that it, it really shows on the screen. And I think the chemistry they had really came out of this uh, really well. Um, it's a very rags to riches type of movie, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's just it was just a good good romantic comedy. Um, and I say comedy, but I don't know if it's really a comedy. Um, there's funny moments in it. It's more of a, a drama romance, um, yeah, with a little bit well, of comedy. It, it has a like, hard, like, like the snakes never get like very incredibly real or like destructive. Like you know, like it's like the snakes are never there. That's where it feels like it's a lighthearted mood. That's where I feel like it's the comedy sake into it. Where like it never feels too serious, right, or too dark. So, so. overall, yeah, I think you should at least watch it at least once. It's it's it's. I mean, I can sit down and watch it every once in a while and still enjoy it every single time. So, yeah. um, there you have it. That's our episode on Pretty Woman. Um, if you want to join us on the Facebook uh, group we have, it is the Tragedy of Cinema podcast group. Um, I think Kyle is starting TikTok. He yeah, says he is. Yeah, I'm going to become TikTok famous. Um, uh, maybe you know, podcast he says TikTok, stuff. but um, yeah. I don't think he will. I, I'm, I'm great at the ace commenters. I leave great comments on other videos and I get like a thousand <laughs> likes. I'm like, yes. But then I like, make my own videos. Like, um, I don't look at my face. Don't forget our live show coming up in July. Uh, with Hillbilly Horror Stories and Middle Aged and Creeped Out uh, here in Indianapolis. So, um, should be a fun time. And our next movie we'll be covering is based out of Indiana, is uh, the great sci fi classic Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Absolutely. Which is probably going to be a long episode because there's just so much stuff to talk about in that movie. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, I think this episode's coming to a close. And, and Kyle, that's a wrap. And cut. <laughs>